The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay. So welcome. This is our fourth class in a series that was about uh, the Brahma Viharas. And it's perfectly fine if you haven't been to any of the other ones or if you've been to all of them or um, however it might be. We'll just give a little brief uh, review that um, on the first week I talked about loving kindness. And then um, kind of at the end of that class, I talked about loving kindness kind of sliding into compassion. That is this warm heartedness, this wish for goodwill. When it meets suffering, it's transformed into compassion. And then on the second week, we talked a little bit more about compassion and um, highlighting that just compassion sometimes can be fierce and sometimes, you know, it can be about saying no and to be careful or to notice when do, do we feel like we're um, being compassionate, but it's born out of a, uh, a fear, a fear of disappointing others or a fear of not looking spiritual, quote unquote, or a fear of um, setting our boundaries clearly or something like this. So the second week was a little bit unpacking compassion a little bit more, talking about some of the things that look like compassion, empathic distress or um, I use this expression blind compassion. I got this from uh, some Robert Masters, I think is the uh, name of the scholar who did that. But now once I said that, I realized that's, that's not a good expression to use. So I don't have a better one at the moment. So I'll just say this compassion that, uh, that's born out of fear rather than born out of love. And then the third week uh, talked about self-compassion and how to take, treat ourselves like somebody else would treat us, or like how we would treat a good friend, somebody that we really cared about. And to highlight that it's not self-indulgent, it's in fact um, quite an effective way to help us be the best version of ourselves. Because when we have compassion for ourselves, which is a difficult topic, it's not always easy, but when we do have compassion for ourselves, then it's, uh, we're more likely to take risks. We're more likely to try new things because we know that if we fail, it'll be okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. As opposed to if we're really harsh on ourselves, it's you know really extra painful when we fail. So that um, brings us to this week and the final week. And I want to talk a little bit about what do we do when we have this warm-heartedness, we have this wonderful intention of uh, cultivating loving-kindness and radiating it out, and this, our loving-kindness, our warm-heartedness meets suffering, and it gets transformed into compassion. And a key element of compassion is this sincere wish for the suffering to end. And then what do we do when there's nothing we can do to help alleviate the suffering? What do we do when it's you know beyond our control to make a difference in the suffering that we're seeing, that we're encountering? So despite all our good wishes, despite all our good intentions, and despite our willingness and capacity and capability to help, 
we're unable to make a difference. So when this happens, some people run around in circles or, you know, some equivalent of that, you know, just um, get really unsettled and or um, activated and not really effective, but just um, activated and running around being busy or some, or some version of that. Some people get uh, the opposite where the energy goes down and they feel depressed or dismayed or horrified in some kind of way. Some people will just try to make a difference anyway, even though they're trying to change things that can't be changed or isn't within their power to change, but they will like exhaust themselves trying to change it anyway and working on something that they actually don't can't impact or can't affect. So what do we do? And that's today we're going to talk about this is equanimity some equanimity practice, that is how to have a balanced, open, warm heart and mind. So that the balance here is so that we don't get out of balance when we encounter difficulties and that, in fact, we can't uh, change. We may have this sincere wish for the suffering to end, but there's nothing that we can actually do to make that suffering end. This happens a lot, right? We encounter all kinds of suffering that we can't alleviate or fix, quote-unquote. So equanimity is about an evenness. It's about a composure in the midst of things. Not, Not because we finally got all the conditions just perfect and we finally can relax and have some evenness or some balance, but just because we've cultivated a quality of heart and mind. So many of you know that um, equanimity, there's a number of different forms of equanimity. And when it's um, part of the Brahma Viharas, we emphasize that it's born out of a love, just like, you know, loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy, which I haven't spoken about, haven't talked about. So equanimity also is born out of a love But this love is more a love of the truth, a love of clearing, seeing clearly. So this love of the truth is not this rose-colored Pollyanna view of the truth, but a truth that recognizes that there are great difficulties. There are tragedies. And Equanimity allows us to see this and not collapse and not fall apart in some kind of way. But instead to recognize the truth that hardships never become everlasting. Hardships are not eternal and constant. It's the nature of difficulties. It's the nature of hardships to be transient, to arise and pass away, just as it's the nature of things that are pleasant to arise and pass away. Everything arises and passes away with a certain um, time frame. And we can see this with greater and greater clarity as our mind starts to settle down. It's one of the effects of having a meditation practice is to really understand this deeply about things that rise and pass away, including difficulties. 
I'm saying this, recognizing it doesn't, I just feel like I want to say this again, that it doesn't mean that they pass away in exactly the time frame, you know, and in the manner that we want them to do. So, and also to recognize the truth that things are happening due to causes and conditions. They arise for a reason. Doesn't mean we know the reason, but sometimes it's helpful to recognize that it's not random. It's not magic. But there are reasons why things are the way that they are right now. And part of equanimity is to see this bigger picture. Like, what what is supporting this uh, difficulty? What's um, keeping this difficulty in place? Are there some uh, other factors involved? And maybe we can't um, address some of the difficulty that's right there, but maybe we can address some of the other uh, causes and conditions that uh, support it. So in this way, equanimity is related to wisdom. Just recognizing that things are impermanent, they arise and pass away, and that they arise due to particular reasons, due to causes, due to conditions. But equanimity is also born out of just seeing clearly. And seeing clearly means to see that there's always a range of things that are happening. There's this difficulty, there's this suffering, and there's also things that are neutral, or I'll just say neutral. There may also be things that are pleasant. And there may be flickering that... uh, Um, things that are really difficult is primarily difficult and then maybe it's just uh, neutral for a little bit while you think about what's for lunch or what was that sound or oh I really want to remember to put milk on the grocery list whatever it might be you know these fleeting thoughts that sometimes we have while we're meditating or in the midst of some difficulties so equanimity is also supported by this seeing clearly means to kind of like see the bigger picture when we see difficulty, it's easy to kind of uh, our attention to get small and to collapse into it. But with some equanimity, we can um, maybe step back and have more of a bird's eye view. And then equanimity is when we can see clearly and we have some warm-heartedness or a willing for our heart to be warm in connection to what we're seeing. Maybe there isn't some, um, it's not the same um, affective tone. It's not the same experience as the other Brahman Viharas. Equanimity is a little bit cooler. Um, it's a little bit, um, maybe a little more, uh, I want to say smooth, but I don't know if that's a word that's uh, meaningful to anybody else. So it's uh, seeing clearly and having a willing to still be connected to it with an open heart. Maybe that's smooth, maybe spacious is a better word that I was looking for. So a heart and a mind that's curious about what's happening, willing to to connect and engage, and willing to learn. Okay, what what is there to learn here? What, what, What can I... Is there a way that I can change the way that I'm thinking about things or can I understand things differently here? 
and a heart and a mind that are equanimous, they know that the safest relationship that we have to what's happening is to see it clearly. So in this way, equanimity is a lot about our relationships to what's happening. Right? We can't change the difficulties. We can't change everything in our experience. But can we be some, have some open-heartedness and some warm-heartedness? So two things. Um, equanimity kind of supports both is a, a sense of just general well-being if we're not being pushed around all the time by the difficulties and things that we're encountering, there can be this sense of uh, stability, this sense of uh, um, stableness, and there can be a confidence that grows out of that and a sense of well-being. As well as this um, equanimity can also be the foundation for wise action, like knowing what to do next knowing what's the next best thing to do, what's the right thing, what's the wisest thing to do next, as opposed to some reactivity just following our habits, the more we're able to have a little bit of equanimity, the more we're able to make wiser choices or the wisest choices that are available to us. And also to recognize, to bring to mind what all of us know on some level, all of us already know that generosity, love, wisdom are the real kind of, um, foundation for, for beautiful things in action in the world. So ways in which we can show up in the world with generosity, love, and wisdom. And if we have that, some of the spaciousness of equanimity helps us to remember that and helps us to use that or use those qualities to guide our actions. So very quickly, I, I do want to say that equanimity is not indifference. It's not aloofness. I said it's cooler than the other Brahma Viharas, the other heart practices, but it's not cool. It still has a warm a warmth to it. It's just not the fiery warmth or the yeah, maybe I'll say that. It's not the fiery warmth. It's more of a cozy warmth. So it's a like it's a, a balanced engagement with all of life. It's a real connection, as opposed. It's not a turning away. It's not um, this frigid, heartless uh, stance to our experience. So, how do we bring equanimity into our lives? So one thing is that equanimity naturally grows with our meditation practice, with our mindfulness practice, with our loving-kindness practice, whatever practice we're doing. It naturally grows as we start to gain familiarity with different meditative states, different meditative experiences. We start to gain familiarity like, oh, yeah, I don't. last thing I want to do is sit on the cushion, but we do go sit on the cushion and it turns out not to be so bad or maybe it's terrible and we that we just all we can do to just 
not jump up and run away, but somehow we managed just for some time to not jump up and run away. Then we realized, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. That didn't kill me, even though I felt like I, I, for the life of me, wanted to get out of there. So, and we start to understand that there are many situations that we cannot affect. And with uh, meditation, we start to see this in the uh, in our meditation experience. We may be feeling restless, and maybe the, we can't make the restlessness go away, or drowsy, and we can't make the drowsiness go away. But our capacity to be with what is difficult and uncomfortable starts to grow the more we do this. I'll say for me, a really uh, a big thing that made a difference is I was doing some uh, yin yoga practice. And that is where you take a pretty simple posture, pose, asana, you know, things that, you know, are pretty straightforward. It could be like a sitting on the um, ground with your just legs out in front of you and just sitting upright. And then the trick, <laughs> one thing about yin yoga is that you hold these poses for a while. So what starts out as being comfortable Maybe like with what I just described, you'd lean forward a little bit, just fine for the first minute. And maybe it's okay for the second minute, you know, but then it starts to get uncomfortable. And then this, the, uh, this yoga teacher, at the time I didn't appreciate it, she had some Buddhist training and she was recognizing like, okay, can you be with this uncomfortableness? Can you be okay with this? You have to be wise, make sure you're not harming your body. But can you use this just as a practice ground for to, to increase your capacity? I had no idea that this was going to translate into like my meditation practice into other areas of my life, but it does. So all those places where we're able to be with difficulty and recognize that we can't change it, whether it's small things, like the neighbor's dog barking. Maybe that's not small. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's giant shelter in place, one's employment being compromised or lost or questioned or all these difficulties that we're having, loved ones being sick, loved ones dying. All those places in our lives where we can have some, just to hold the uncomfortableness, is great training for equanimity, including our meditation practice, whatever, whichever type of meditation practice. But also, equanimity can be specifically cultivated. And we can cultivate it in just the same way that we do with the Brahma Viharas. That is, by setting an intention that we want to cultivate equanimity and then bring into mind somebody and I'll guide us through this, but and then um, saying phrases and using sensations in the body. So these two ways of kind of um, equanimity that's in our daily life or in our meditation practice, uh, if we can notice or, or stretch our capacity to be with uncomfortableness with any amount of steadiness that is available to us at that time, and some of this um, active cultivating, is a way in which we can really help increase equanimity show up in our lives, which can bring a tremendous amount of well-being and a tremendous amount of 
ease and increase our capacity to be with what's guiding or what's arising for us. So that was kind of a lot of words. Maybe I'd like to open it up now. Does anybody have a question or a comment? Yes, Lish. Um, you said that equanimity doesn't try to fix anything. It meets suffering with an acceptance. And I just wondered um, then about um, compassion. And if there's an agenda with compassion or a, a desire to change or fix. I see. Yes. Compassion does. There is this wish to... Uh, to fix, I guess I'll use that word, you know, to make the suffering end, to alleviate the the suffering. It doesn't mean that there's actual action. It starts with that wish, and sometimes it translates into action, but it does has that wish to alleviate the suffering. That's the um, traditional um, definition of compassion. If you're listening to Gil in the mornings. I don't know if you are, Lish. Yeah. So he's making that distinction between like compassion and care and kind of like that karuna and anukampa. So I'm talking about how karuna is used in some of later Buddhism, like in the uh, the commentaries and if that makes any sense to you. So, and, and care is more just this warm heartedness that, Wishes the well-being of everybody. Is that is that helpful? Yeah, thank you. And anybody else um, have a comment or a question? Okay, so let's do a guided meditation. I'll uh, lead us through some of this. So we'll begin by taking a few deep breaths. Just allowing ourselves to feel the the breath, feel the body. Some it might be helpful to land there. Give the mind a place to rest. We can just tune in to the sensations of breathing. What is that like? What is it like to feel the abdomen moving or the chest moving or feeling the air going in and out of the nose? just noticing, noticing an inhale 
noticing what it feels like to exhale. Nothing in particular needs to be happening. We're just hanging out with the sensations of breathing. Maybe you could feel into parts of the body that feel like they might be a little tight or tense. What would it be like to bring some kind-heartedness to those parts of the body? They're welcome to stay and they're welcome to loosen up. Then we'll do some loving kindness practice as a way to dip into a sense of warm heartedness. So bring to mind a being for whom it's easy to feel loving kindness, warmth, care, respect, love, goodwill. See how it feels in the body just to bring this being to mind. Might be somebody you know, somebody you don't know, or maybe it's even an imaginary kitten or puppy or baby. And then to support our intention to cultivate loving kindness here, we can say these phrases, you can repeat them after me. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May 
May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be safe. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. And then to begin the equanimity practice, we'll start with equanimity practice that's in relationship to others. Many of you have heard me do this if you've been to happy hour. But that is to bring to mind somebody with whom you have a relationship, somebody that you know and that you care about. And sometimes there's a little bit of tension in the relationship. It's best not to start with the most difficult relationship, but one in which you have warm-heartedness and care, but also sometimes there's some rough patches. Then we can say this phrase to cultivate some balance in the relationship. Maybe I should say some, cultivate some warm-hearted balance. I wish you happiness and I cannot make your choices for you. I wish you happiness and I cannot make your choices for you.
I wish you happiness and I cannot make your choices for you. I wish you happiness and I cannot make your choices for you. And then we can expand this equanimity practice to include what, what some might say is more kind of like an attitude of equanimity in general. And to do this, we can imagine uh, somebody with whom that we don't have a relationship and that we don't know. Of course, it was good together. We don't have a relationship and we don't know at what sometimes we call a neutral person. So we don't have an opinion about them one way or the other necessarily. So this can be maybe somebody that's on this Zoom call that you've never seen before, or maybe it's somebody that you imagine that uh, helped deliver the goods that arrive at the grocery store or the postal worker or something that's uh, neutral we don't have a lot of feelings about you can bring it might be an imaginary person it might be someone that you've seen you can consider that they have had sorrows in their life. They have had difficulties in their life. You don't know them, but all of us have had sorrows and difficulties. They will go through gain and loss. All of us go through gain and loss. 
they have gone through birth, they'll go through death. All of us, having gone through birth, will go through death. So recognizing this, the whole range of experiences, you could say this phrase, it's like this right now. It's like this right now. It's like this right now. This is how it is. This is how it is right now. Can we keep our hearts open? Recognizing the wide range of experiences that this neutral person has had. Can we create the spaciousness in our hearts to hold whatever truth about their life, whatever it might be? And then for the last moments of this meditation, what feels like would be a nice supportive thing for you to do for your meditation practice? This day with equanimity practice, do some loving kindness practice, either for yourself or for others. Do some mindfulness practice. What feels like would be the most supportive for you right now?
And then to end this meditation, you can feel the chair or cushion against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So it can be enormously helpful to talk about, you know, our experiences that we have. But also for this, um, for today, I'd like you to, I'm going to put you into some small groups and to uh, a, a question that you can discuss. Kind of bringing back to the beginning of uh, the discussion today is what wisdom do you have? about other people's suffering when you have no opportunity to support or to help in any way or, or to change it. And I'm using this expression, what wisdom do you have? Because sometimes uh, we can be quick to start talking about how difficult it is and give examples of things that are difficult to do. But the question here is like, what wisdom do you have? What can you grow? What can you cultivate? What can you learn? What is useful regarding this idea of what what do you already know about uh, when we meet difficulties, suffering in others or in ourselves that we can't affect, that we can't change, that we can't alleviate? We've all had these experiences in our lives. So we can do this um, going around uh, in the circle. The person with the longest hair goes first. And what would it be like if this is more of a listening exercise than um, a speaking circle? So that is that um, an opportunity to learn from each other, and so it, but also to learn um, about as we learn sometimes by speaking. So an opportunity for us to learn something, but not so much about telling long, complicated stories. There can be opportunities for that. And this is more about what wisdom do you have about when you encounter suffering, difficulties that, that you cannot um, affect, that you cannot change or alleviate or go away, make it, make it go away. So, let's see, I'm going to um, put you guys in there for about 15 minutes or so. So, and, um, and just, there'll be four of you in each room. Okay, have fun. Bye.